Welcome to the Her Advantage podcast. I'm your host, Mel, and this is episode number 25. If you found yourself listening to the Her Advantage podcast, you're either a dedicated listener or somebody has sent you this episode because there's a message in here for you to hear because they care about you. This podcast is for women who want to feel fucking good so that they can do all of the things And sort of start to understand how maybe some of the things they've been doing in the past weren't the best for them, but how to overcome them so that they can get the most out of life. This is a solo episode today and I am recording from the safety of my bedroom for two reasons. I have housemates moving in and out, having discussions. It's also fucking air conditioned in here. So... The green studio has been put on hold. Last night, I was at the beautiful Marianne's from Carinia Farmgate cheese workshop. She took her cheese workshop on the on the road. They have a property on the Air Peninsula. Um, if you don't know where that is, it is where Port Lincoln is. So if you're looking at a map of Australia, uh, the Air Peninsula is if you see Adelaide, it's across the bite. Um, it is one of the most beautiful parts of the world. And if you are looking at traveling anytime soon, I highly recommend checking out that part of the world. Anyway, I digress. I was at this workshop last night and Marianne has done a lot of work on her metabolism and healing. So the conversation started to arise around how to do this. And As a group of women, we sort of, of course, the conversation quite often comes back to weight and weight loss and diets and the topic of 1200 calories came up. Now, I can't actually tell you where the magic 1200 has come up from or where it started, because to be honest, I really didn't want to look into it. Um, And just how much women actually need to support their bodies for weight loss, for normal functioning, for all of the things to happen. So this is the conversation we're going to have. We're going to talk about the importance of nourishing your body and what it actually looks like from going from the safety or what you think is the safety of 1200 to a really nourishing and fulfilling diet that allows you to have the energy to do all of the things. Now, there's a lot of reasons why women have this mentality that eating less equals being more. Uh, I don't know if it's centered around being smaller or if it's centered, you know, if it started with health. Um, I was an exercise physiologist for eight years and I worked in a clinical practice where I was constantly getting reports from medical practitioners to say, you know, please advise for exercise, please advise for exercise, Um, sorry, please advise exercise for weight loss. Uh, They would be seeing dietitians, they would be seeing physios. And, you know, while I 100% agree that you should have a multidisciplinary approach when it comes to your health. I also think that we need to, even though in this world, in the, in the medical world, it is multidisciplinary. So that we're seeing lots of different practitioners to get the right answer and outcome. 
the different disciplinaries weren't looking at their methods to the individual and how they would all relate together. So what I mean by that is, you know, the dietitian was obviously trying to coach on eating less food and in their eyes prescribing what was more nutrient dense food. Whereas I was then in trying to increase their exercise. And so if someone's trying to eat less food, but outgo more energy, honestly, it's a recipe for disaster. And if there's not a more integrated approach, you're not going to get the long-term results that the GP who's sitting at the top of this pyramid is looking for. So that's how I started to sort of get curious around, right, there's, there's something bigger going on here. There's not, it's not a one, one size fits all approach. It's not about what the dietitian is saying. It's not about what the counselor is saying. It's not about what the exercise physiologist is saying. We need to come back and look at the human body as if it is one organism, which it is, and how we can look at how what's happening inside need to work together. And I think what I mean by this is it's not that not seeing exercise or not seeing a dietitian or not seeing a counselor is not going to help. It's that the way that these pieces are put together are so unique for the individual. So coming back to the idea that 1200 calories is where a woman needs to sit for her body. Like I said, I have no idea where the initial number came from, but the first time that I did this, I was 18. I was 18 years old. I got my first job out of school. I'd moved to Mount Isa to spend time with some family. Uh, My auntie owned a gym at the time and everyone was doing this 12-week challenge and we were going to do 1,200 calories. And I was like, yes, let's do this. I'm really excited. Firstly, I was 18 years old. There was absolutely no reason why I needed to be on a diet. Secondly, there was no education other than these are the guidelines in which you have to stick to. Um, And if you don't stick to 1800 calories, then sorry, 1800, I wish 1200 calories, then we can't help you because you're not doing what we're telling you to do. So I, yeah, if you, if you don't lose weight, then it's not my problem. Um, and there were in, within this time that I was doing this diet and exercising and living in 40 plus desert degree heat, uh, my boyfriend broke up with me. My high school boyfriend broke up with me while I was on the other side of the country and I was devastated. I threw myself more into exercise because I felt like it was the only way that I could catch my breath and breathe. Um, But I remember my auntie asked me, I was living with one of my other aunties, what I wanted for dinner. And I said, no, I can't have dinner tonight. I chose to have an ice cream instead. Now I'm just going to sit on that for a second. I chose not to have a meal with my family. I chose not to have nutrients, protein, carbs, and fats. Because my heartache decided that the ice cream was more important than the ice cream and sticking to the 1200 calorie rule was more important than connection at that point. Now, I don't hate myself for doing that. I don't hate myself for 
making that decision. That decision was what 18-year-old Mel made with the education she had been given at the time. But upon reflecting on that, it was a really scary time of my life because I genuinely believed that if I stepped foot over that eight, uh, sorry, I don't know why I keep coming back to 1800. That's later on. That's another episode. If I stepped foot over that 1200 calorie mark, I was a failure. I wasn't doing what my body needed. I wasn't doing the best for my body. And so that was the choice that I made. Now, it's not ironic that this is where my PCOS symptoms really started to ramp up, but not everyone has PCOS or has the diagnosis of PCOS. So I want to talk about what some of these things look like when you don't have that diagnosis. So if you're constantly eating reduced calories, and this might not even be this might not even be a day-to-day thing. It might be that, you know, you not, might not even be counting calories. You might just be having a really stressful time. You've got kids, you've got work, you've got all of this stuff coming on. It's really hard for you to sit down and have a meal during the day. So you just push through and do what you need to. And then obviously eat what you can when you can. So it doesn't, it might not actually look like 1200 calories a day. It might just look like not eating consistently. So what this looks like is not pooping every day. It's carrying weight, even though you don't really understand because you don't actually eat a lot. And so the whole eat less food doesn't make sense because you still see the scales going up, your clothing getting tighter, your reflection getting scarier and scarier. It looks like not sleeping properly, but also feeling like you could sleep for a hundred years. You know, when you walk into the coffee shop and they're like, hi, what can I get for you today? And you're like, oh, uh, an intravenous large triple shot caffeine with 10 sugars, please. Anything to get me through the next eight hours. That's what poor sleep pattern looks like. It looks like being really anxious all the time, anxious about things that you can't even understand. You know, like that internal conversation of when you forget where you put your keys and then you realize you're going to be late and then you're going to be late for the person that you're meeting. And so you're going to be letting them down. And then the stories in your conversation, the stories in your head start, you know, talking about how, what they're going to think of you and how this is going to affect your relationship. And, you know, just those internal conversations constantly spiraling when really the reality of it is you literally just forgot where your keys are and you're going to be five minutes late. And internal narrative. You know, the more physical signs of not eating enough could be really painful joints. And this is, you know, not sort of your arthritis but more just general aching. And um, like I know for me, it was my ankles. When I'm lying, when I was lying in bed, my ankles just kept feeling really stiff And like I said, I was, you know, early twenties when the first time that this happened was. And so I was too young to be thinking about what this arthritic sort of pain is. Um, But it was just, it was a really weird stiffness. 
Um, had a lot of creaking in those joints too. I thought it was a little bit of a party trick that my ankles could make these noise noises. Uh, turns out it wasn't. And I have since upgraded my party tricks. That's another story for another day. Another really, really, really big uh, point to not eating enough or hint to the, you you might not be eating enough is really low motivation for exercise. Um, or not only low motivation for exercise, but really, um, exercising with the intent to lose weight. So, you know, you really smash yourself in the gym and then you turn around and look at yourself in the mirror and go, why am I not seeing changes? And almost that flick of like constant criticize, criticizing your body, even though you're, you're giving it what it needs, you're, you know, reducing your calories, you're exercising really hard. Why is it my reflection showing all of the hard work that I'm doing? And so then it's this, you know, this cycle of low motivation into high motivation and then, but really having to push yourself to get to the gym or get on your walk or that sort of thing. It's a really scary place to be in because those sort of things, those things all really spiral. And while, you know, we, I mean, the topic around pooping regularly is a much more in vogue conversation, but it's still not something that we see as a necessity. Um, You know, I know that, you know, I've had friends of mine that have had kids and conversations around toilet habits is really big. Um, you know, babies that don't poop every day or, you know, coming into childhood when they're learning to go to the toilet, how their habits change, you know, so digestion is a real sign in childhood that things are going well or not going well. Or, you know, I know that when um, children are toilet training, it's a really stressful time for them. So they sort of start to hold on more. And it's the same with us. If we're not releasing our bowels every day, there's something going on. Um, and just because it's not cool to talk about with your friends, if you went to the toilet every day, doesn't mean that it's not something to have a conversation around. I actually have a really funny story on this. Um, I have a couple friend of mine who I knew in my early twenties. Uh, I actually think they were probably the first lot of my friends to, you know, move in together and start doing the adulting thing. Um, but they used to have a rating system when it comes to their poops. And one of them would go to the toilet. They were living in this tiny apartment. The toilet was right next door to the bedroom. And yeah, they'd go to the toilet and come out and be like, oh, that was a solid seven. Oh, you know, and seven was a great number. You know, it wasn't super hard. It was a nice, a nice consistent log, let's just say. And they made it cool and fun and interesting to talk about their digestive movements. Um, so you know what? Maybe in your household you can now gather a little uh, poo rating system to just start making the conversation a little bit more observing and curious and interesting. Now, I honestly believe that the reason women don't eat enough food be at 1200 calories or not consistently or, you know, whatever it looks like, isn't because they're trying to starve themselves. It's not because they don't love themselves. It's not because, you know, they're not trying to prioritize themselves. There's just a huge lack of awareness around 
what the human body actually needs and what their body needs to be able to function at a really high level. Now, the women that I work with are not underachievers. Every single woman that I have worked with to help them with this has this huge passion for life, be it in being a mum, be it in being a creator or a business owner or being an artist. There's always a huge underlying factor that is wanting to drive and is driving her curiosity to know more about how she can feel fucking good and achieve all of the things. So something that's really important to note here is that you don't go from eating 1200 calories a day or not eating consistently to flicking a switch and going, oh yeah, now I eat more food and feed myself regularly overnight. So Again, if we're just going to use numbers, like you don't go from eating 1,200 calories to 2,000 calories over the space of a day. Um, One of my clients in particular I've been working with over a space of six months to get her from 1,400, 1,500 calories to 2,2100 because there's strategy involved. There's learning what your body needs. There's learning what your triggers are in serving those needs. There's lots of different pieces together. So if you're sitting here going, yes, I'm going to start eating more, but like are sitting with the idea of how uncomfortable that's going to feel if you put on weight or what that looks like when people around you start noticing that you're eating more or if your family notice that you're eating differently and going to start commenting Like, don't worry, all of these things are steps that you walk over to getting to getting to that comfortable point with food and eating and nourishing. So I don't remember if I've spoken about this on the podcast before, but I'm going to start throwing out some numbers that are just really average, basic numbers. These are numbers that are just, um, they're not individual. They're just a baseline for women. Now, When we start talking about food and nourishing, there's three macronutrients that we ingest in our food, protein, carbohydrates, and fats. Now, our body needs a specific amount of these things so that they can, it can function the way that it wants to function. Protein, for example, is your building block. Protein was made really popular in the bodybuilding days. Um, Obviously, when you see people like Arnold Schwarzenegger or, you know, famous models that, you know, talk about their muscle mass. I don't know who famous, which famous models are talking about muscle mass. I was just trying to use a female example there, but you know what, maybe it won't work. Um, that protein and muscle, muscle was really important, but protein is also the building block for every single cell in your body. So your hair growth, your nail growth, the health of your skin, the health of your joints, the health of your nerves. Your body needs a minimum of 100 grams of protein per day. Now, that doesn't look like, you know, 
on average, let's say this for an example, on average, about two eggs is about 16 grams of protein. Uh, If you're going to have a piece of steak at night, that's anywhere between, say, 30 and 50 grams um, of protein. And then maybe if you have some ham, that might be another 20 in the middle of the day. And so on average, women are averaging about anywhere between 40 to 70 grams a day, which still isn't enough. That still doesn't reach the minimum requirement for her body and her cells to replenish and nourish. Now, as I hear myself talk about this, I feel like I'm coming from a place of knowing and lecturing, and I'm absolutely not. This process took me years to learn. This took me going through years of diets. This took me going through years of body dysmorphia and just really hating seeing myself in the camera. Um years of not understanding what my body's basic function was. And that's coming from an exercise physiologist with a master's degree in exercise physiology. So don't start listening to this and going, oh yeah, cool. This is how I apply it. Oh fuck, that's really scary. There is so much learning to be done here. It is not just a matter of eating more food. So with that protein, We need to be pairing it with carbohydrates. Yes, carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are our body's primary energy source. This is where our body gets the energy to use the protein to build the building blocks. So as you can kind of see, all of these things are intertwined. It's not just a matter of eat this food, this will happen. It's a matter of looking at how these things are showing up for us. So if I'm going to loop right back to the beginning, you know, not pooping every day, carrying excess weight, not sleeping properly, feeling anxious, having painful joints, having painful periods, no motivation for exercise. These things are little indicators of not having enough protein, not having enough carbohydrates, not having enough fats um, and not really understanding how these things work together. So. That's just the baseline. If you're going to start anywhere, it's starting by eating a regular amount of protein so that your body can do the bare minimum of cell repair and cell reproduction. Carbs and fats come in secondary, and I'll probably do another episode about this so that we can go into a little bit more detail. But the absolute, the place that you want to start, if you don't want to hire a coach, if you want to do this on your own, the place that you're going to start is by regularly eating small amounts of protein so that by the end of the day, you have eaten a hundred grams of protein. Please do not eat this in one sitting. Um, Just start to get curious about it. The other thing we see when we're carrying a little bit of extra weight and knowing that we're not eating enough food sorry, knowing that we are uncomfortable with this weight and maybe wanting to start reducing those calories and sticking to a lower calorie intake is finding low calorie option foods. So look, I'm not even talking about skim milk or low fat yogurts because I'm an advocate for those things. Um, I'm talking about literally products that you pick up and say low carb or low calorie or those things that have a really big shiny sticker on it appealing to, well, 
the masses and you and women who are nervous and anxious about how to look after themselves. The thing that's really problematic with these products is to get them low calorie, but still tasting really good. You have to absolutely pump these things with different additives and preservatives and different alcohol sugars to, yeah, get them tasting really good. I remember when I first learned about macros, I was obsessed with the 90 calorie, um, brownie bars. You can buy them in the, um, muesli bar section of the supermarket. They were really high in fiber. So when I put the thing, when I put the food in my app, it ticked the fiber box. Uh, these little 90 calorie things were sweet. So they were my quote unquote treat for the day. Um, I'm like, that's a, that's a point in itself. If you're choosing this diet substitute of a food substance as your treat for the day, girl, you are not living your life. So amongst then having really low calories and really trying to obsess over where you're getting or how you're going to fit those calories into a box, you're also putting in a heap of anti-nutrients to your body and things that your body then requires more energy to fight on digesting. And, you know, again, a really popular term in the health industry is detoxing. Your body, if you're eating a lot of these low calorie options, your body is already trying to process these things in overtime. There is no special detox needed. Your body is doing it for you. So, When we have, so you can imagine now we don't have a lot of food. So our body's really struggling to do the bare minimum of cell reproduction and inflammation management. It's really low on energy because we're not eating a lot of carbohydrates. And so where do you think you're going to get the energy to poop every day? Where do you think you're going to get the energy to put you into a quality night's sleep that's going to allow you to get into that really deep REM cycle so that your body can do all of its cell repair and um, growth. Where do you think you're going to get the energy to really rationalize and understand those anxious thoughts? Like I said, the example I gave around, um, you know, misplacing the keys and then feeling like you're going to be late and then letting the person down and know that story cycle as to then how that makes you feel inside and how, you know, that person's going to potentially look at you. There's no energy there to really understand what that dynamic is. So what I'm really hoping you took out of that, you know, those questions and that analogy around how much, not even analogy, but what your bare minimum needs are for your body is that you need to start building it up. You know, when we question what's going wrong with our body, we never question what we're putting into it. Um, You know, the car analogy is so overused, but it's such a good one because if you took your car to the mechanics and said, oh, you had to call the RAA, my car's not turning on, my car's not working, what's going on? Um, 
And the guy's like, oh, there's no petrol in it. You're not going to go, oh, the fucking car, you know, blame the car for not putting any petrol in it. That's your responsibility to take it to the petrol station, put the pump in, you know, fill it up to whatever number feels good for you at the moment. That's how how the car works. And so this is how you work as well. So I want to introduce a term to you. I was actually only thinking about this the other day when I was writing some stuff for my Hair Advantage women. Um, I was doing up a little bit of a glossary for the next release of the program. And I want to introduce you to the term of pro-metabolic. Now, I don't like using this word because I think it just puts us in another diet mindset. But the term pro-metabolic essentially means supporting your metabolism. Uh, Your metabolism is the thing that creates heat and energy in the body for you to do all of the things. And so what we want from our lifestyle is to support that heat and energy. So if you're eating in a pro-metabolic way, you're eating foods that support this heat and this energy in the body for it to do the things, but you're also living a lifestyle according to supporting that. So again, you're not going to burn the candle at both ends, but dump a heap of fuel on the fire and hope that the log catches. You're watching and monitoring these things and how they switch and move. Um, so there's, again, there's definitely strategy and structure to this, but what we're talking about is being able to increase the fuel and the temperature of your body so that you can start doing all the things. Now, we don't just start eating. Now, it's really easy once you start. If you go and Google pro-metabolic and look at all the foods that come into pro-metabolic, it's things like whole animal protein, whole food dairy, potatoes, rice, fruit, honey, like all of these things are super high calorie. So if you go from eating no food to all of a sudden eating this pro-metabolic diet, Obviously, you've gone from eating 1,200 calories a day to easily anywhere between 2,000 and 2,400 calories a day. Your body is not going to like that. So please do not listen to this and go, oh, I'm just going to start eating pro-metabolically. You want to start introducing these foods really slowly. So what that might look like is even just, like I said, we're going to start with that 100 grams of protein. How can you get more curious about increasing your protein intake? If you start looking at your protein intake and going, oh, cool, I'm actually eating a decent amount of protein, then you would start looking at one of your other macronutrients, and it might be carbohydrates. Now, if you look at your carbohydrate intake and go, oh, it's only sitting at 70 grams a day. Again, you're not going to jump from 70 grams a day to 200 grams a day. You're going to slowly increase that. So it might look like adding an extra glass of orange juice with your breakfast or lunch and doing that for a couple of weeks. It might look at then including a little bit more potato or rice. There's lots of different strategies and I can't give more specific examples because I don't know what your situation is and I don't know what your body is displaying or doing. So the time here is just to get curious. I would download an app. Oh, I had this other really cool conversation with Marianne, the lady that owns the cheese um, works, the lady that runs the cheese workshops. And she was talking about how 
when she tracks her food, it's really empowering for her because she's like, yes, I can eat this much food. Yes, this is what I'm doing for my body. And just flipping the switch. Some people find counting calories. And like I said, you know, when we loop right back from my story in the beginning about how when I was counting the 2100, sorry, 1200 calories, that it was a bad thing if I went outside the box. So we link then counting calories to being a good girl, um, to switching the narrative to going, right, how am I building my body today? What am I putting into my body? How is my body responding? Like all of this data is happening for us. All of this data is available at our fingertips and we get to access it. We get to be in control of how fucking good our body feels. So just to repeat on that, you do not go from eating 1200 calories to 1200 to um, 2000 calories overnight. So please don't think that this is something that you were like, Oh cool. I heard this podcast. Mel said to do this. Let's go and do it. This is a process that takes time. And this is a process that takes time understanding what it means for you to increase these different measures. So the thing that you're going to take away from this is I'm going to start getting curious about where my protein, carbs, and fats are coming from. I'm going to get curious about the little signs that my body is telling me. And I'm going to get curious as to why I feel so uncomfortable about the idea of eating more food and fueling my body. Again, I'm not telling you now that as well, when this happens, that you're then going to have to exercise more. Because the whole idea about this is learning about how to build your body up and learning how this works. And quite often when we think of exercise, it is, again, coming from a place of wanting to make ourselves smaller. So you need to look at exercise as another piece of that puzzle in building the heat and energy with inside the body so that the body can do the things. Now... This is a topic that I could talk about for a very, very long time. So there will be more episodes on this. And if you've made it this far through, thank you so much for listening. What I want to ask you is before I hit uh, hit stop on this podcast is if you've had any questions come up during this time, please shoot me a message on Instagram and say, Hey Mel, I was listening to your recent podcast and this is the question came up. How do I track my food? How do I know if I'm eating enough protein? If I'm eating enough protein, what are the next steps? Or maybe it's your triggers. Hey Mel, I really want to start eating more protein. But when I think about this, you know, I don't want to eat the same thing every day. How do I combat that? I want to know what comes up for you when you listen to this episode. If there's not questions coming up for you and you're sitting here going, yes, it's time. It's time that I do something about this. Then please also feel free to slide into my DMs and say, Mel, I want to talk about her advantage. I want to be part of the women that are doing all of the things and feeling fucking good at the same time. That's all you have to do. Slide into my inbox and say, Mel, I'm ready. Now, the next step that happens after that is that you and I have a little chat. So again, it's not like you're, you know, signing up for a program that you're never going to get out of or the like. This program is still one-to-one and it won't be for very much longer. So the benefit of one-to-one is that I'm working with you to get the result. I'm not giving you the instruction and then going away and hoping that, you know, 
we both get the result that we're after. I am working with you and your situation and your triggers and your energy level to build you up so that you can be the woman that is doing all of the things. So on that note, if you found this podcast helpful, please share it with someone that you also think might find it useful. And until next time, have a fucking great day.